the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. He's John, I'm Joe. John, it's been a couple weeks since we last talked. Our favorite hometown baseball team has reached a very special milestone. 10,000 wins, albeit close to 10 years, I think, since they hit 10,000 losses. You know, the, the funny thing about this, and the reason I actually wanted to bring this up was because for 10,000 losses, we knew that was happening a long time before yeah. the game happened. <laughs> 10,000 wins, I kind of remember seeing it, actually, I, I was going to say a couple of weeks ago, it was yesterday. Yesterday was the first time I saw this. and then, Definitely after the fact, yeah. Like, oh yeah, by the way, the Phillies had their 10,000th win. We're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you think you'd make more, maybe it's because they're on the road, so they're not kind of hyping it up. But 10,000 losses, maybe it's just Philly being Philly to where we were kind of going. Like, yes, we got to revel in this. This justifies our suffering to where we could say, hey, we've suffered more than anyone else. Right. Oh, that's exactly what it is. We were the first. No one else can ever be the first team to 10,000 losses. And I think if you're the team and, and you don't really want to promote 10,000 wins because the the first response is going to be, yeah, and what, 11,000 losses now? <laughs> so it, like, like that's exactly what it is. You, you don't want to draw attention to the negative even by trying to draw attention to the positive but yeah it's kind of funny how it was just like after the fact oh yeah that was their 10,000th win ever like oh okay <laughs> I remember the uh, I don't want to call them festivities but the the lead up to the 10,000th loss I believe I, I don't remember exactly what happened but I le- believe it was when the Phillies were pretty good right I feel like it was at the tail end of that era so like it was like one of those things like oh here's a good team as now I'm going to go look it up, when the Phillies had their 10,000th loss. This is really captivating content. I know. I accidentally almost put You know, it would losses. help if we did our research before the podcast. It was uh, July 15th, 2007. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long ago. I thought that was a little bit more fresh in our memory. So, okay. So, so we were... it was the year that they started being good, like started being a playoff team. They lost their 11,000th game on uh, September 29, 2019. Season finale. So they were, but in that period, they were a thousand and fifteen and a thousand. So <laughs> mediocrity is just kept kept on keep it on. But Look, uh, all congratulations you ask for is consistency. Yeah, congratulations to the Phillies on a milestone achievement. And since we're talking about milestone achievements in quotes like that, it really is the middle of August, isn't it? I think the dog days of August are uh, barking. I, I no, I was gonna say I think the dog has just stopped barking. Even the dog has given up. I, I'm, I can count on, on one hand, and I can actually count on no hands, how many seconds of the Eagles preseason opener I saw. Not even by accident. You know why? Because I didn't have the TV on because I had Apple TV Plus on watching the Phillies. <laughs> Did you see any of the opening uh, preseason game? That would be a no. Because I was also watching the yeah. <laughs> Like there was no channel flipping. In order to go on the TV from the Apple TV Plus app all the way to the TV, by then the, the inning break is over. Uh, I, I, I don't think that'll be the case Sunday. It'll be a lot easier to just accidentally watch a few series of the game against the Browns on Sunday. 
but the Eagles lost to the Jets. Uh, nobody cares. Nobody should care. It's the first preseason game. It means less than nothing. But uh, if you want some over analysis of it, I'm sure you can get it elsewhere. John, your thoughts. Hey, Joe, what are you drinking? <laughs> I had a feeling you might say that. Um, I've had a bit of a, I don't want to say a long day, but I'm a little tired. So I'm finishing off some iced coffee, which maybe that's why I'm tired because I didn't finish the coffee before. Uh, I really need to figure out how to properly consume the coffee. Uh, it's It's been a long time since I started drinking it, and it's still, it still eludes me how to properly caffeinate myself. But I, I'm finishing off the coffee to, to actually answer your question. Hey, John, what are you drinking? One of my favorite beverages of summer, Dr. Pepper. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, what is, what is Dr. Pepper a doctor of? A doctor of refreshment? PhD? <laughs> you know, I don't want to find out. I, I, I don't want to find <laughs> out that, you know... Something <laughs> that he happened. got canceled like 30 years ago. <laughs> Dr. Pepper got put in jail for pushing pills or something. Look, the soda's still good. At this moment, that's all I care about. <laughs> and that was What Are You Drinking? Brought to you by 1967. 1967. That was 55 years ago, babe. John, the Sixers are under investigation by the NBA. Are those words that just send a chill down your spine or what? <sighs> I got to say, if Adam Silver wasn't the commissioner and like he was a guy like th th you got interrogated by, like you, you were picked up by the cops or, hey, just come on down to the precinct and you're sitting in the room and the door opens and there's a single light bulb and, and Adam Silver sits down at the table across from you, you might confess the things you didn't do even before he opens his mouth. He just has that vibe to him. I, I mean, look, I don't know if they're confessing or whatever. It seems like they're fully cooperating well, before, Honestly, before we before we discuss it, we should probably explain what's going on. All right. The, the story came out, I think it was a few weeks ago, and we kind of just brushed it under the rug. The Sixers were going to be investigated for not, not tampering, but like illegally negotiating with James Harden or something. Like a handshake deal that maybe if he takes less money now, he'll he'll get the bigger deal later. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure every team does with every player to some extent, but because it's the Sixers ever since the process, it, it, it's got to be against the rules. And then there was a report like, Hey, you know, the, the NBA is taking this very seriously. Like, okay. Haters going to hate. That's basically what it boils down to. Haters going to hate. Like, I, I just don't see what the big deal is. Like this is in the relative scheme of things, especially given that it's the NBA this is nothing. Like I, I, I honestly never thought something was wrong with this because the player is actively deciding, "Hey, I'll make more money long term." You know, granted, it's probably not something his union would want because right. they would want him to get <laughs> the most money now. But I but also it, don't if, think it's something that actually would happen with the player. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think we've seen what James Harden is, and I, I don't think it's going to work out. Right. I mean, I, honestly. I feel like this is fair for, for both sides because I think the Sixers' biggest fear is James Harden is due for, like you know, a huge max extension that would just be ridiculous. You know, if we thought, if we're complaining about the Tobias Harris contract now, like, James Harden would be, like, 
possibly 10 times worse because he just doesn't appear to be, you know, aging as well as Chris Paul, whatever. Maybe that changes. Who knows? But it's just, I feel like if the player is okay with taking less money, that should be fine. If you look at what LeBron's done, what so many others have done. I was just about to to say, Tom Brady made a career in New England out of it. Exactly. I, I, I don't no see No one the, had a problem with the that. The problem with this, it's just... The problem is the name on the front of the jersey. It's not the name on the back. I mean, kind of. I'm front. kind of coming around to it. Yeah, because... I've been telling you, you thought I've been wearing a tinfoil hat, and, and you've given me a hard time over it. And what's happening? They're just proving me right, man. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong. I mean, you are wearing a hat. I don't know what it's lined with. So, possibly tinfoil. I, I'd like I, I to take know. the fifth on that. We're kind of officially 10 years out from when the league's beef with the Sixers started to begin. The Andrew Bynum press conference infamously, uh, I believe, at the Constitution Center, where we were all excited about how the next era of Sixers basketball was going to be so great before he went bowling, among other things. (laughs) Um, You know, that was 10 years ago, I believe, on Sunday or Monday. So... You celebrate some weird anniversaries, John. Look, <laughs> it's it's August. There's not much else going on. Um, but just looking at it, I feel like that's that's where everything started. You're not wrong because <laughs> I, it's just one of those things How where... How painful is it that for you to say that? <laughs> look, it's easier for me to sit here and, and mock it. Here's the thing, though. Every league has their conspiracy theories. No league has more conspiracy theories than the NBA, and no league makes me scratch my head and wonder, hey, what's behind <laughs> this? And you could see like an immediate link to any draft lottery, you know, whatsoever, where there's a lot of theories to, to where no league has more conspiracy theories, and and no league ha- like does less to dispel them than the NBA. <laughs> I mean, are they conspiracy theories or are they just what we're seeing? They're cliffhangers. Like, Tune I in mean, next time. Look, there's like an officiating crew with a you know a reputation for extending series. Like, how does that happen? Like, a what's former the, official, like went to federal jail. <laughs> like that does not happen. Federal prison. In, Who calls it federal jail? <laughs> yeah, that does not happen in, in other sports. Like, and wait, wait, where was that referee from, John? Philadelphia. It's Tim Donahue's fault. See the the dawning of the realization over your face. I I, I I think I've got you. I think I've got you almost completely on board. I just gotta pull you up over. The, I, I'm not a fisherman. I don't know what they call like that last part where you really reel them in. But <laughs> I got you. Got the lure. You're really close to the boat. I just have to bring you in. I, look, I'm just at the part where I'm trying not to admit that you're right. Right. Well, then I'll shift gears a little bit. Some other rumors involving the Sixers, and, and it's really hard to know if there's any veracity to any of this stuff, because you don't really know who it came from. Apparently Kevin Durant wants to play in either Boston or Philadelphia and that's it. That was the latest. Who knows if there's any kernels of truth to that, but immediately every fan in both markets started going through which draft picks their team has, what players that that could get traded right away. Obviously the Sixers would have to trade Tyrese Maxey. They'd have to trade Matisse Thibel. They would probably want to trade Tobias Harris. They might have to for financial reasons. And then they'd have to give away 
what, like the 2028, 2030, 2032, and 2034 first-round draft picks since uh, they, they can't uh, trade consecutive first-rounders. They'd have to give up every other year well into the next decade. Of course, Boston has some better, younger talent to to offer to the Nets in a deal like that, but uh, immediately everybody starts going to it. What was your thought on the the, the rumor where you a how can we get KD or uh, I want no parts of this? Somewhere in between, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> look, obviously he's is he he's a top ten player of all time. I think it's safe to say. Um, somewhere around there. I mean, without. Well, I mean, I feel like I've made a, some sort of similar comment before where I don't know, but the fact that we can ask that question, right, it kind of dictates the, the, the kind the, of player the, he is. That's good enough. You know, at least of the last, he's a top two thousand player. Era, yeah, he's a top three player of the last decade, uh, for sure. And he, here's where I am on this. It's not necessarily a question of. You know, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris for Durant, because obviously you do that in a heartbeat. It's everything else that goes with it. And I'm st- I'm not excited about it because I don't think they're going to have what it takes to beat the best offer anyways. I think Kevin Durant would probably want to come here over Boston. It just seems like he would rather fit in with a team of stars. But... I am gun-shy about sapping more depth from their roster. We saw what happened this year with the James Harden trade, which is a trade we both thought at the time of, we didn't really like it, but we, you know that was the best deal you possibly could have made at the time. And we saw what happened in the playoffs with uh, Seth Curry you know, suddenly not being there. Andre and, Drummond. And Andre <laughs> Drummond. Yeah. You know, that they, if they were on this team in the playoffs... My guess is now, granted, with James Harden, but you <laughs> yeah. know that, that that would also help. But if they were on this team and you you had guys like that, you know, I think they would have advanced, uh, you know, past the second round for the first time in forever. Um, Twenty one years, maybe. Yeah, I, I started <laughs> I started to count, and then I ran out of fingers. Um, but you know, I, I feel like if you make that trade. I don't know if you can really fault a GM for getting Kevin Durant, even at the, you know, at, actually at any stage in his whatever career, really. deal they make, they're going to get the best player in the trade if they're trading for Kevin Durant. Right? You know, it's it's we just saw this with Juan Soto. You know, the the Padres gave up so much and they won the trade because they got Juan Soto. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's the same the same deal. I'm st- I, I'm not sure I like this pattern from Kevin Durant too. And I'm sure he's aware of it, kind of like James right. Harden seems to be aware of it, to where it's this, he just seems to be making poor decisions with where he's surrounding himself. And I don't know how much of it is, is, is like it where this, he's this going. Game. Is it where he's going or who he's choosing to, to play with? I think it's who right. he's so like choosing going to play to, with. Going to Golden State, that's not a problem. But at that point, he was like, all right, now I got to go do it on my own. And he goes to Brooklyn and he picks Kyrie Irving. And it's like, I mean, we don't have to get into my thoughts on Kyrie Irving again, but like that's that guy's a franchise killer. Yeah, and I think that's something a lot of people in the NBA could have told you. That's just, a, something a lot of people in this podcast could have told you. Although I guess we started it after he signed in Brooklyn. Sorry, KD, our bad. That's our bad. And you know, it's it's nothing in this instance. Like I guess 
Kyrie's game because obviously he's talented enough. But, you know, you have to wonder, like, especially with Durant's recent injury history, Harden's injury history with the hamstring, and, you know, Embiid's been healthier, but he's not the healthiest of players, you know. So you have to wonder if that would really hold up. I'd love to see it happen just in terms of, like, he's Kevin Durant. I just don't know if it's it's worth it in the long run. Like, man, it's re- I really can't believe I'm talking myself out of trading for Kevin Durant, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's where we are. Well, I think uh, you, you might be able to get Kevin Durant to take a similar pay cut situation to James Harden when his contract situation might come up simply because he just wants to be in the town with his favorite soccer team that he's a 5% owner of. That's your Philadelphia Union, who, again, first place in the East. Somehow we've gotten this far into it, and I haven't brought them up. You're welcome, John. Thank you. But <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant, you know, come come to Philly. You can come to all the Union matches that you want. That I think that's the biggest draw, if I'm being completely honest. Uh Joel Embiid and James Harden would be number two. <laughs> Even I can't keep a straight face. Honestly, has, I, have you ever seen Kevin Durant or aware of his presence at a union match? Yeah, I'm pretty sure not. Um, <laughs> but he owns a heck of a lot more of the union than Jay-Z owned of the Nets. And Jay-Z was there as often as he could, right? I mean, Jay-Z might have owned the, just given the cost of things in New York, owning the Nets might have been cheaper than actually paying for season tickets. So. <laughs> that might have actually been a good point. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the bounty you'd have to give up to get Kevin Durant, obviously, is the hang-up, right? Like, you would think that it's all the draft picks and, and it's every other year because of the Ted Stepien role. He was a former uh, coach or GM or president of, I believe, the Cavaliers. And he traded away a ton of first-round draft picks and it, it hamstrung the team in the early 80s. And so the NBA passed a rule, literally, that you cannot trade consecutive first-round draft picks. So because of the picks they've given up in acquiring Harden and in other deals, this trade would literally be felt for the next decade and a half. And you would think that's the hang-up. And it's totally a legitimate hang-up. But what I have seen, and I made the mistake of reading an article on the Inquirer's website. I almost called it philly.com because I still have the bookmark as philly.com. <laughs> uh, I made the mistake of going down and clicking on the comments. Oh. And there is a special brand of stupid that exists in this city among its fan base. And oh, I, I was going to talk exclusive. about that in our next segment. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exclusive to Philadelphia, right? Every city, sure? every fan base... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Every fan base has its stupidity and its its idiots. They're just all unique in their own ways. But one way in which all fans are almost universally the same is that they overvalue young players and prospects, right? Like, we talked about this with the Noah Syndergaard trade. Like, people are like, oh, man, it gave up Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak has a track record, and it, he hasn't been what you wanted. Oh, my God, we gave up Logan O'Hoppy. Yeah, okay, but who knows what these guys are going to be five, ten years down the road. Mickey Moniak hit a home run his first game, I think, with the Angels. Then he hit another one and tried to bunt and broke his hand again the same day, right? 
So like, it's impossible to know what's going to happen with prospects. Fans don't care. They never want to trade the future because they have this idea that every prospect that a team has, every draft pick that a team is going to be able to make it is going to sustain decades of excellence. The comments that said that they'd rather have Tyrese Maxey for 15 years than get Kevin Durant and have a title run for two or three years. I get that. I don't know that I agree because the point is to win. So would you rather have, you know, one, one ping pong ball in the bucket for the next 15 years or six ping pong balls in the bucket each of the next three years? You know, I think you probably should choose the latter. The worst one was somebody actually wrote, and I wish I had remembered to pull this up or save it. He actually wrote that he would rather have Tyrese Maxey's whole career, which, again, we have no idea what it's going to be, than Durant for a couple years and a title. Or even worse, Durant for a lot of years and a title. What? And that sound you heard in the background was John's jaw hitting the table. That's what the comment was. It has to be a troll. That's what I, I was like. That has got to be someone trolling. And then I thought, no, there, there are too many people that think like that for that, that not no, to be a real no, comment. No, that's just, it's the dumbest thing. No, that, If you can okay. trade for Kevin Durant, even though it's 2022 Kevin Durant, which isn't quite the peak of his powers, there are risks involved. I understand it. If you can trade for Kevin Durant, you trade for Kevin Durant, period, full stop. And you just deal with the consequences no, because you know what? Something else will happen. You'll trade Joel Embiid when he's like 33 years old and you can still get something and you begin to recoup some of those losses and you start over. That's, that's, that's not, no. John's Someone, brain has been broken. <laughs> yeah. We, we might have to go to break just to, to give me a second, but to end on your, your point, there are many episodes of this podcast that date back multiple seasons, actually, about how much I love watching Tyrus Maxey play. I think he's going to be, no matter what, fun to watch. I don't know if he's going to be a great player. You know, he, he could be, I would say, his floor is Lou Williams, maybe a little bit better than that. Um, but that's still a, a very good player. Would you have traded Lou Williams for Kevin Durant? Yes. His... <laughs> His ceiling might be like a, a second, third team while NBA guard. It's hard because there's so many dynamic guards in, in the NBA. Right. Now, that by saying he's even in that conversation is is something. But here's the thing. Kevin Durant is a first team guy. He's been a first team guy. I don't know if he's still a first team guy, but he's, I'm assuming, I'm not, I haven't looked it up because again, we've established that we don't do research on this pod, or at least, <laughs> at least for at least this tonight pod. we don't. <laughs> We have in the past, just not tonight because it's August. And I'm assuming Kevin Durant has been on the first NBA team uh, at least once in his career. Here's the so. thing, John. You got to be careful. You just said you're not sure if he still is. Kevin Durant's going to find out you said that. And if he finds out you said that and doesn't want to come here and you cost us Kevin Durant, you're going to have to answer to that. See, here's where you're not playing the right game of 3D chess. I want him to come here to prove Out me wrong. Spite. Oh, Hmm, interesting. Huh. See, see John's, John's activating some of that Kyrie Irving galaxy brain. Remember this when we're recording a podcast when his number gets retired by the Boston Celtics. <laughs> On that 
incredibly depressing note. Let's take a break. Let's let John recollect his his brain matter that has leaked out of his ears. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Phillies real quick. And then John really wants to dig into the ideas of walls of fame. He's got some thoughts because, of course, he does. So stick around. We'll be right back. Back here on the Philly Frenetics podcast, John, it's our contractually obligated Phillies talk. Bats kind of went quiet towards the end of last week. They got everybody going with like a seven-game winning streak, I think it was, and then they scored two runs in 37 innings uh, against the Marlins and the Mets. Uh, whoops. Stuff like this happens. With Especially teams. when the pitchers are uh, <laughs> yeah. Max Scherzer, Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom uh, pending free agent Jacob DeGrom, I believe is his full name. We're going to have this argument later. We are. I know We've what you had think. this argument. I know what you think, phone. and I know that you're wrong, and we will we will discuss this at a later date. However, there's always uh, next week. The, <laughs> the, the, the Phillies turned the ship in the right direction, beating Cincinnati. Everybody should be beating Cincinnati. And they're currently leading as we speak, but the, uh, the, the offense, when the Phillies have struggled this year, it's, it's been the offense that has really struggled. And I don't think there's anything to it. Like you said, two really good pitchers. And you know, Chris Bassett's not terrible either. Um, and, and the Marlins pitching staff in itself, yeah, the fact it, that they it, were it, able to take two out of three yeah. against that pitching staff is pretty impressive. And what they did to Sandy Alcantara the other night, it was almost like a breakthrough moment because that guy's been so good for how many years for them, especially against the Phillies. So maybe they've they've turned a corner there. I don't know. But – Still sitting in wild card position, and really, you're looking at three teams competing for two spots. You've got the Phillies, you've got the Padres, and you've got whoever finishes second between St. Louis and Milwaukee. That's pretty much what it looks like. San Francisco was lurking-ish, but they haven't really been consistent enough to to say that. I mean, hey, look, an eight or nine game winning streak, or like winning ten out of twelve, or something could put them right back into it. Who knows? But I'm counting Atlanta as in the playoffs. In that first wild card, I think that's fair. I think the Phillies are in the driver's seat, even if they have a stretch where they only score a few runs over a couple of games. They they can't do that a lot, obviously. But I'm not worried. Are you worried? Because we just talked about idiots in town. People start to get worried. I'm not really worried because of who they were doing it against. Uh, you know, speaking of dumb. Well, fan like days. I said, we're not chasing the Mets. I said that months ago. Right, right. That's just <laughs> don't worry about the Mets anymore. No, and, and the the Phillies radio, the the intro to all the broadcasts is they're slugging their way to the NL East uh, title or whatever, and it's like that was never going to happen. <laughs> they, they should have picked something a little bit more medium. Um, <laughs> they're slugging their way to sixth place in the NL. I know the Phillies are starting to get a bigger audience because the takes about the Phillies are getting way dumber. Much faster than the normal, including <laughs> someone insinuating. I heard this as I was driving this weekend uh, to and to and from for for work, uh, insinuating that they had like it was basically a failure that they did not score one run against Jacob Degrom. Have you have 
do you have eyes, sir? Like that is, he is the best pitcher <laughs> in baseball when he plays. I, I heard the opposite take on that game uh, coming home from the union match. Uh, the host on whatever radio station that I had left on was talking about how, you know, he, he wasn't at all upset about losing that game because of how good Jacob DeGrom was and how good Aaron Nola was in that game. It was a great pitcher's duel. Wasn't really bummed out about it at all. And then, of course, the next day they lose 6 nothing, and everyone's like, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it, blame it a little bit on the heat. You know, everyone's getting a little stir-crazy. It's finally starting to cool a little bit. So the takes are coming out as rancid as ever right out of the gate. And you lost two out of three to one of the top couple teams in the National League. Like, yeah, the Mets have a reputation for bottling it at the end. We're not at the end yet. So maybe they're really good. They spent, what, like half a billion dollars or something? I might be exaggerating. but Or I might not be exaggerating. I don't think you are. <laughs> We're talking about stupid money, right? Um, I'm not really worried too much about the result of that. Uh, I think we were just talking about trying to get down to the ballpark, though, to, to see some Phillies-Mets action this weekend. Four-game series over the course of three days. I think John is a little more interested in the Vanilla Ice performance after I, the game. I mean, intri- actually, interested is the right word. because I'm <laughs> Intrigued. <not laughs> intrigued. It, it, this reminds me of, to go way off topic, years ago, uh, my wife and I went to see Smokey Robinson, and the opener was Sinbad. When people hear that Sinbad was the opener, no one asks, how was one of the most legendary songwriters of all time? They ask, Sinbad? Like, well, you know, what was that about? So I feel like it's in that that same vein. You know, I'm not going to the game because of the post-game concert. But, but I'm, I'm not, not leaving early. Not going to the game, you know. Uh, how was Sinbad? It was fine. <laughs> I, I'm more interested to see Tone Loke. Uh, again, I think you have your priorities misplaced there, but we can hash that out another time. What I really think you're excited to see is the the, the newest Wall of Fame plaques down at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Ron Reed and and Bake McBride, the the latest to be inducted, is into or onto <laughs> to be yes. enshrined. I, I think both work alongside. The other greats on the Phillies Wall of Fame. You are a big fan of Walls of Fame, Rings of Honor, and stuff like that. So uh, I heard some news today, and uh, by that I mean I came back into my office to a text from you. Uh, The Eagles, I I guess it was fairly recently, uh, announced that Hugh Douglas is going to be one of their new inductees into their uh, is it a Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor? I'm not sure. <laughs> Let me look that up. <laughs> but uh, I'm you not have sure thoughts. either. This is, this is the theme of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. is we should have looked this up beforehand. You, you have thoughts on on Hugh Douglas? I mean, I, I would say there's strong thoughts, but you know, I think anyone growing up from that era, you know, loved watching Hugh Douglas play. He's an energetic guy on and off the field. Um, I think it was just a matter of time. And what really stood out to me is the difference between Hugh Douglas going in, which is a guy probably everybody can agree on, versus Ron Reed and and Bake McBride, no offense to them, aren't really guys I would think of. Now, granted, neither of us saw them play as Wall of Famers franchise 
guys, you know, I, I don't even know if they're guys that would necessarily boost ticket sales, which is a large part of what the Wall of Fame is about. Now, granted, I, I understand this was part of the 1980 celebration that was originally right. supposed to happen in 2020 yeah. <laughs> and kept probably getting pushed back. So I, I get that. And it's probably one of those things where you, you want to honor people while you still have the opportunity to do so, like they did with Dick Allen. I think the Phillies traditionally do this, you know, as well as anyone could. There were some things bungled that weekend. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> I think we made an allusion to one of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I had me thinking, they're, they're probably stretched the 80 roster as thin as could possibly get. I kind of wonder if this was... Given how much I, I, you know, I've I've heard Larry Bowe speak about certain people on that team, I wonder if this was him and Mike Schmidt sort of sitting down there and going like, "Hey, we wouldn't have won the title without those guys. We got to make sure we honor them." So I, I think that was a large part of that. I'm going to make two very quick points to maybe argue with you. One, it kind of goes along with what you said though about it being about the fans and, and stuff like that. I remember being a child and. Do you remember being a child, John? No. <laughs> I remember being a child and I was gonna say anything. My parents, when they would talk about that era of the Phillies, talking about Greg Luzinski, Gary Maddox, Bake McBride. They always mentioned Bake McBride. Now, granted, great name, all time baseball name, Bake McBride. But clearly he was popular and impactful that, you know, eight, nine, ten years after he left town. He was still talked about by fans like that. Ron Reed, on the other hand, apparently the Phillies' all-time leader in relief wins, which doesn't mean anything, but among their leaders in innings pitched in relief, like the kind of stuff that that Ryan Madsen may have been breaking or coming up on were like his records. Or Hector, Hector he was Neris here for a long time. Yeah. Hector Neris, right, yeah. The, the, these are his records. I, that I these mean, guys that's are not breaking. nothing. So, right. To your and so, point. yeah. So he was here for a lot longer, I think, than anyone realized. When I think of Ron Reed, I think of Ron Reed, the the Detroit Pistons player. Do you? Because he was one of the yes, he was one of those two sport guys. Another one, Danny Ainge, played for I the Toronto Blue Jays while he was playing for the Celtics. But Ron Reed also played in the NBA. I really wish we had more guys like that. The Deion Sanders, Brian Jordan. I think they're really the only guys from our era, so to speak. That, that, that we're doing two sports. I mean, Bo Jackson, I think he's a little, he's a little I, you might not be us, old but... enough. I remember Bo Jackson, but uh, the incredibly long period of time I was alive when you weren't of what, 25 months. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like just to, as a very quick aside, like Shohei Otani breaks Twitter whenever he does something. Right. What would Bo Jackson have done? Because Anything yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen Bo Jackson do is one of the most amazing things I've ever yeah. seen anybody do. Like he's just was was that's that a guy. That's a guy whose legacy absolutely would have been burnished even more in modern days by social media and you know all the video highlights and stuff. I mean, they they still have video highlights, but the way that we do things now. And I say that knowing full well that he is already a legend. Uh, I've pulled up the Eagles press release, John, from Friday night. When they made the announcement, a couple of things stick out. Uh, one, well, I'm going to ask you a, a pop quiz question here on Hugh Douglas. How many seasons did he play for the Eagles? It was seven. 1998 to 2002, and then 2004. I think that's six. 
Do you know how many seasons Trent Cole played for the Eagles? Uh, I feel like that's got to be much longer. I'll go nine. 2005 to 2014. Ten. He is ah, also going sure. into the Hall of Fame with Hugh Douglas. Talk about a probably a more deserving guy well, who's getting it, absolutely none of the attention for it. That's the, the flip side of what they did last year with uh, Runyon and Thomas going in together. So they just brought in yeah. sort of the, the bookends on the the line. The guy they brought in, they're putting Hugh Douglas, and then the guy who followed Hugh Douglas as the uh, the sack master. Here's the thing that sticks out to me: the the induction is Sunday night, November twenty seventh. Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. I'm pretty sure I'm going to that game. I might be there for Trent Cole and Hugh Douglas's induction. So you're bringing me along? That's what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if that's my call to make. But <laughs> uh, hey, maybe maybe we'll have a live pod from the parking lot. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Cole and Douglas. <laughs> uh, real quick, though, you, you, you also mentioned to me that you wanted to talk briefly that uh, the NBA honoring Bill Russell the same way Major League Baseball honored Jackie Robinson, retiring the number six for all teams – I assume anybody who's wearing it now gets grandfathered, much like Mo Vaughn and Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you're going to do that for a guy, that's probably the guy you're going to do it for. Maybe Jordan, but I feel like at the same time, enough guys grew up that that are playing now, uh, watching him, wanting to be him, that taking the number 23 out would affect way too many people. And, And it's so iconic that... You want to let that one linger for a while. Uh, I, I think it's it's a it's a fine tribute. Uh, probably a better one than just naming the Finals MVP trophy after him. I don't know if I'm in the the retired numbers because I think that I saw the Lakers were going to maybe put the the clover on the floor with his number on it or, or something. I don't know if oh, that's true. Oh God! I don't know if that's oh, true. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> that feels like kind wow. of a violation. But that's that's a huge violation. <laughs> the th- I'm trying to phrase this carefully because this is like nothing against Bill Russell for what he did on and off the court. Like he it, he had an are you un- are you against the concept of doing it? I in think general, th- that's more what it is than more against him. And here's where it gets tricky for me. And granted, like you said, there, there's multiple guys that you know have. You know, the Yankees specifically, 42, is retired twice. Right. So if you're the Sixers, what do you do with number six? Because you also have Julius Irving, who is number six. And you could argue probably was the guy before Jordan, along with Bird and Magic, that kind of pushed the NBA forward and onto the map. You probably wouldn't retire his jersey. So I haven't seen this anywhere else, but I know, or at least recently, I know for a while that they've been pushing for Roberto Clemente's jersey to also be retired. And I feel like it's the same level of Russell to where I'm not against it if it happens, but I'm not necessarily for it. It's the, so the, the bigger question is, if you kind of feel medium about it, is that right? Like like with Jackie Robinson, I feel like that was a no-doubter that had to happen. With this, right. 
I'm not so sure. I don't know how you would compare Roberto Clemente and Bill Russell. Bill Russell known for the length of his career, the success he had, and then the things he did after his career. Roberto Clemente known because of his career being cut short, tragically. I don't know how you compare them, but I also don't think the Sixers have to do anything for 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 Bill Russell. The number six is already retired. I don't. Are they saying every team has to raise a banner? So just add it to their banner. I, it's already done. That's like that's where I'm a little confused because if you're the Sixers, do you have you're, you're, a well, so you're comparing night? it? <laughs> you're comparing it to like when baseball, when the Phillies had their retired numbers, and then they threw another disc up in the outfield, right? And right. They threw a flag up there in the flag port. And every day there's a, or every year there's a, a Jackie Robinson day, as right. there should be, and you know it, it, all, it all fits in. You, you know, and honestly, baseball probably could go a little step further with you know Larry Doby and including that as, as well. But there's you're also not, you're not convincing me, but you are giving me a little pause if you think about what Jackie Robinson represented, right? Right, and, and Bill Russell Compared did a to, lot of great and there's things. Nobody, off the but court there too. is nobody that is ever another Jackie Robinson, right? Like maybe, sure, there is, but not with that impact, right? So It's got to be almost impossible. Yeah, so to, to then use the same sort of mechanism to honor him, you're not convincing me. I don't have a problem with it, but I definitely see where it gives you pause and, and why you're not so sure of it. Ultimately, I don't think anyone has to do anything like because especially cuz you look at a baseball stadium, right? What is that used for? It's used for concerts and gimmicky hockey games and sometimes a college bowl game, but the stadium stays the stadium. NBA arenas get used for so many different things. You use for NHL games and and all the other things that I just mentioned. I I feel like putting a banner in the rafters, most people don't even see those anyway. Like they only see them when you're literally lifting a new one up there. So I don't know that they're going to have to all put the number six up there. Maybe they will. I don't know. But there there will probably be some night around the league where he is honored and everybody puts something in the rafters or adds his number to their list or whatever. And then that's that. And maybe there's a, a uniform patch throughout the year. That that would be appropriate. But I really don't think that, that there's any, I, I guess – permanently hanging memorial in these arenas sort of thing where if you've already retired the number, now you're going to have two of them up there and look foolish. I don't, I really don't think that's too much of a concern, but I could be wrong and I could show up to the Sixers game next year and go, Oh man, what are they doing? Who knows? I'm curious to see what it does to your point. And also always, it looks better in football stadiums. And baseball stadiums because you can kind of present it differently. But yeah. there's there's so many things flying from you know the roof of the Wells Fargo Center that nothing really stands out. <laughs> I mean, look, there's a banner up there for Billy Joel, right? I think Bruce Springsteen might have one. More people have cheered Billy Joel in Philadelphia than Bill Russell. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're putting those guys in there, sure. Let's throw a Bill Russell jersey up there. We should probably put a Jackie Robinson thing up there, too. Like, <laughs> that would be more appropriate than, I think, uh, having banners for musicians for sellouts. Like, wow, way to go, guys. Uh, I didn't realize I felt that strongly about that topic until I just brought that up. But uh, last thing, funniest ring of honor. Um, 
is the the union's ring of honor. There's one guy in it, Sebastian Latou. <laughs> so they have this whole thing up there, and it's just the one guy. <laughs> that will change in coming years, but every time I see it, it makes me laugh a little bit. Anything else, John? You got any burning thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, I could give you a list of, we'll say six guys, theoretically, that I may have prepared <laughs> that I could float out there. Well, John, we're not doing the preparation thing. See, that's the thing. So the thing I did the research on. We did preparation. We don't actually do the research in between. Why, why don't you put together a story and put it on the website? We can talk about it. I'll see what I can do. I have some time. In the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Our website, phillyfrenetics.com, where John will be writing a story for the first time in seems like forever, maybe. And on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at phillyfrenetics. John, you get to work on that piece, and I'll talk to you next time. See you next time.